welcome to the Faith Designs Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, or All Saints Sunday, for the week of November 4th. 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be in this podcast, and I'm excited to get going and talking about these great Sundays that we have in front of us this week, and there's so much good and depth that we can get into this week. But before we do, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it helps me, not being an ordained minister, get lessons on what it's like to listen from some of the best professors on this subject and being able to digest all the different things that they are teaching. So I'd highly recommend it. But before we get into this week's podcast, we have to review the questions that we had from last week. In the last week's podcast, our question was, where do you need to make a leap of faith? Where is God leading you to make that leap of faith? And where are you forgetting to count your blessings? And It's a really difficult, that's a really personal question, and I know for me, there's a lot of different things in ministry just in general, but especially in youth ministry that I can only do so much, and there's a leap of faith that I have to take on a daily basis, it feels like at times, just to make sure that the programming is there, making sure that the opportunity is there. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily just going to happen. And that's one of the things at times that's very frustrating, but we have to remember. But I also, with this experience, and I think it's one of the things that's so easy for us, most of the people listening to this are probably in developed countries, forget, is the blessings that we take for granted every day. It's amazing as I've moved to this new area, how many people have come up to me and asked me about my housing situation. And for me, I have gotten to the point where it's not the most luxurious place on the face of the planet, but that's not what I needed. I needed a place where I could do this podcast, where I could put my head at night, where I could feel safe, where I could just be and have a place that's my own. And it's a good little place for me. And I think there's so many times where we forget to count the blessing of just having a roof over our heads a place to place our head at night, and a warm place at that. And that's just the starting of the blessings that we have. And it's so easy to overlook them. So as we're getting into this week, again, it might seem like, why are you trying to tackle the 24th Sunday after Pentecost and All Saints Sunday at the same time? But again, I see that there's a lot of passages that, again, can work very well hand in hand if given the opportunity. And so I'm going to take a stab at it again, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Is this something in the future that I should be doing two podcasts for or keep it as the single one? I'd love to hear your feedback. So this week, the gospel text for the 24th Sunday after Pentecost comes out of Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. This is where a scribe then comes to Jesus and asks him which commandment is first of all. And Jesus references what we will be finding in our first reading, which is out of Deuteronomy, that hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's coming from verses 29 through 31. And the scribe then doesn't really have much to say. Jesus kind of then responds that, what are you doing then with all your burnt offerings and sacrifices? Again, he doesn't have that much to say. Jesus then comes with, you are not far from the kingdom of God, coming out of the middle of verse 34. So this idea of how Jesus or the Lord or God, however you want to put that, is number one. But our neighbor, our surroundings, our people around us are a close second. And that's what I think is really interesting as we dig into this reading. The first reading is out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And again, this is God coming to the Israelites and giving this commandment, the first part of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And it's this idea of keeping God first. The alternative first reading is out of Ruth. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, we have Ruth this week and next week, and then we don't have any more Ruth, and that's unfortunate. So we get Ruth this week and next week, and that's all. And so it's unfortunate, and I'd highly recommend at least spending a little bit of time and contemplating, if you can, should this go into your service. So you have Ruth and Oprah, who married the children of Naomi. Both of Naomi's sons have passed away, and so they're on this road going back to Bethlehem where Naomi was from. And Naomi kind of states in a very interesting way to go back to their mothers. And there's a little bit of back and forth on that. Eventually, Oprah comes to Naomi, gives her a hug, gives her a kiss, and returns. So Oprah goes back, and then Naomi kind of turns to Ruth, and Ruth is, you know, Naomi's encouraging this idea of going back, finding another man, finding another person for her to marry, and Ruth just clings to her, says, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Coming from verse 16, this ultimate cry, and I think it's one of those images that's so easy for us to look at, and we hope that our faith is in the Lord is that deep like Ruth is with following Naomi. And I think there's a very unique image there of almost like a mother and daughter type of relationship or mother and child type of relationship there that could be a very interesting sermon in and of itself. But we'll be focusing on something else a little bit more. The psalm this week is Psalm 119 verses 1 through 8. And this is kind of a psalm that you could tell was just they needed something. And I know the commentary on Working Preacher talks about some of the unique attributes with this psalm. But happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And just 
talking about how the way of the Lord is the way that we're wanting to go. And again, probably tying back to the gospel reading on this and putting the Lord first. And the second reading, Hebrews, ties again into this idea. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14, continuing on this theme of Christ being able to die, his blood being purer than us going back to the animal sacrifices that were done before Christ came and how he died then for all. If we're going to do a little bit of shifting gears before I really get into the meat and potatoes of this week's podcast, we're going back for All Saints Sunday. The gospel text is out of John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. And this is where Jesus' last thing before being put to death, this is the tipping point in John's gospel, and this is the rising of Lazarus. And we get the emotion of Jesus showing his emotion with Martha and how Martha is pleading with him. Jesus then showing emotion that he's wanting to see where he is, that he has, you can feel the human element of him in this. And then he rises up Lazarus. The first reading is out of Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. And this is an interesting text in that this is the Old Testament and what they're imagining heaven to look like. And they're looking at it as this great feast of food that just never kind of runs dry, this continuation of God's providing for them. And it's one of these things that I think it's, again, it's very interesting to contrast from a 21st century coming from a first world country where I don't have to worry about this type of stuff that much. And that the people of Israel at this time who are fighting, who are trying to figure this stuff out, that's what they're imagining heaven to be. So in a way, I think there's an interesting context or dilemma that you can play within yourself of are we living the dream of the Old Testament just with the abilities and things that has been given to us? And what does that mean going forward? The psalm this week is Psalm 24, all 10 verses of it. And again, this is the idea, and we're going to continue with this, the the king of glory and how strong and mighty he is that he overcame or will be overcoming whatever is put in front of him. That he is the one who is in control and is developed this place for us. The second reading is out of Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 6. So this is right at the end of your Bibles. And again, it's this idea and vision of what heaven looks like and how the passing and the joy that comes with the end of life and that all what we know is passing away as we begin this ascent to where God has placed us. A lot to digest there, a lot to get into. And so I'm going to start with the 24th Sunday of Pe- after Pentecost. Because I think there is, again, stay with me on this, that there is a tie-in to All Saints. 
So when I'm looking at this text and start looking at how is all this coming together, I started looking at and seeing the idea of the second commandment, the second greatest commandment of how we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. And so I was trying to think of examples of nature working together and specifically the same species working together for a common goal. And one of them that came to mind for me, and I think, again, going back to my bird roots, that I think is so unique, is the Harris hawk. The Harris hawk is a hawk. It's the only raptor species that will hunt in teams or a small group native to the United States Southwest. So will perch up on cacti. And the reason they work in groups is there isn't a ton of prey to be working with, so you need to have a higher success rate. And the way that they can do that is it becomes kind of this competition of prey or the hawk seeing it first. But again, the hawk has the advantage of having additional help. So traditionally, the first one will kind of get down, try maybe making it move, start focusing on that one bird, maybe even be on the ground. And then it has the aerial attack of one or two others. And the Harris Hawk will then typically there'll still be some type of hierarchy, but they work together to share the food. And I'll attach some videos of it down below. I'd highly recommend it. It's really neat to look at. It's such a unique behavior. But then we, as we think about it as a whole, that really isn't that unique of a behavior. Because we have wolves. We've talked about wolves plenty on this podcast and how they work together as a team to do that. We even want to look at monkeys and gorillas and different things like that. They work in a troop is their technical group title. We love seeing that. We've even talked recently about bison and how bison, these great grazing animals, will still work together for protecting their young and and see it as a successful strategy to be able to work together. And that's where I like then taking this, well, what does that mean for us? Where does that take us? And in a world that we're being shown and demonstrated so much that it's about individuality. And I think it's one of the things that is between generations is one of the things that's such a sticking point is if we look back to some of our older generations compared to some younger generations, there's this disconnect of what does neighbor mean to me? And what does that look like? How, who is my neighbor? How do I treat my neighbor? there's a difference and what is helping my neighbor. And I think there's a constructive conversation that can happen there. But again, I think as we look to nature, there is so many species and typically most species aren't alone. They work in groups. They work together to be able to do something. Granted, there's still some solitary animals out there, but I would say the majority have at least some major event in their life where they are working together in. Even thinking of the March of the Penguins, how they are all together, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. So if we're working together, it makes sense and understanding that death is a part of that. And if you study like wolf populations are a great example of this, when 
you lose the alpha or the leader of a wolf pack, there is a major shift that happens in that pack. The characteristic, the ideals of the pack slightly shift. It's a lot of times where if there's competing packs, that's the time they attack because they figure that they can get more territory when they're vulnerable, if they know about it. And it makes sense that they would be vulnerable. If you look at these groups, if you look at these teams, there's a mourning period that happens. A personal story that I can't necessarily find scientific evidence, but from my observations, I got my first dog when I was three to four years old and had it through my junior year of high school. And in that time, we had also acquired a cat that was a kitten when we received it. And you could tell that our neutered black lab mix had pretty much become the adopted mother to this cat. And when this dog passed away, I noticed a change in the cat for a significant period of time. First and foremost, there seemed to be this irritability that the cat didn't seem to have before for an extended period of time. And I remember even talking to my mother about it and saying, I, I honestly think our cat is grieving the death of the dog. And it was then after that, we had also had acquired two other dogs by that point. The cat decided it was going to rule. It was the dominant species in the house, like a cat will. But it was interesting to me to see the change in character of the cat. But in that, how it was not instantaneous, how it was a process, and how we'll see that in so many other places in life. And in the world that we are in today, I think at times we need that reminder. We need that reminder that things take time to digest. When we have 24-hour news cycles and we have things that we can speak our mind instantaneously and put it out into the world, it's a rarity that we actually spend the time to think. And I think when we're looking at trying to concoct how do we deal with death, how do we deal with passing the guard, that takes time. And we're not, as human beings, good at that. And that's why it's also so important for us to go through and understand and be okay with the process of how long death takes. Be okay with understanding that when you have a death, that you are not going through it alone. That there are other people who are around you who want to support you and want to help you. And if it's not you going through the death directly to be the support and not just give it lip service, but to give it action. Because we see that around us. A hawk doesn't quit hunting and providing for the other hawk just because the third hawk died. They are going to probably also try recruiting another hawk. A wolf pack doesn't just die. It might split up and become two new packs. But the wolves all don't just die because their alpha died. There is still work to be done. They are going to still have to work together to get through this. And in a world, again, that we're not talking about this very much, of working together, we probably should reflect on that more. We see it all around us so much. 
in other species, in successful things, things that we see as a success. Yet, I feel like the majority of us would still say we have work to do with taking care of neighbors and especially taking care of neighbors in times of extreme stress when they really need help. So, the podcast question of the week, the Twitter question of the week has to be twofold. One, how well are you serving your neighbors? And neighbors in quotes. Think big, think small, think literally next door. How well are you serving your neighbors? The second question being, how well do you help those neighbors in times of need? And I'm going to put need as just open, not just death. Because when Jesus is helping and rising Lazarus, there's more than just death there. There's life. He brings life into the picture. And I think it's so easy for us in the time of death to forget that that might be bringing life into something new. And as we're looking at this from the Christian perspective, we know that the passing of this life brings forth new life into something greater than what we know from our experience right now. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.